Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. Well, today we are welcoming an 805 Connect partner, Jacob Tell from Oniracom. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Mark, thanks for having me. How are yeah, you? I am I am great. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we booked it a couple of months ago, and, uh, and I've, I've enjoyed every interaction we've had. Uh, and tell us, tell us about Oniracom. Sure. It's funny how fall can sneak up on us so Oh, quick. my gosh. Is it fall? It was 87 degrees I know, out it feels yesterday. Like it's summer. not fall. No, yeah. it's not fall. No, no. Anyways, this great town we live in. Um, yeah, Oniracom, we're, we're running in on our 15th year. See, okay, so you're 15 years. Uh, you became a partner a year ago. You're located on Haley Street in downtown Santa Barbara. That's right. I've driven by it 800,000 times and didn't know you were there. Well, and we've only been there almost six in that location exactly and yet now that i know you i kind of see you everywhere that's a good thing right i love collisions that. exactly yeah so what does a neurocom do what do you guys do well a neurocom means communicating dreams Re- yeah in what language well there's a in greek, your language there's a, well in our language yes but there's a greek term oneric that's pertaining to the dreams or dreamlike space and time and um, the, the calm and, and the oneric, we kind of did a nice mashup 14, 15 years back. And uh, we communicate dreams. So our slogan wow. is, is solutions for dreamers. Right. And um, that can be a double-edged sword. You can attract some mm. interesting folks mm. who are dreamers, mm. either one of the spectrum or the other. But uh, we work with some amazing, amazing people. I, you, say, you said dreamer. I remember a guy back in the day his card said his title was dreamer and i associated with the fact that he had a ton of ideas and never did <laughs> anything yes. and and that kind of was set uh a, maybe a negative association for me with that word sure i like to dream but i'm a doer and i think that um I thinking about possibilities and thinking aspirationally as uh, dreamers are, are aspirational. And I've come on this word of achievable aspirations, meaning achieving is I've like got to do something. I've got to work. I've got to get to it. So I love this communicating dreams and solutions for dreamers. Yeah. I think because of that potential negative association that, that sets us up for being in demand because then we can oh. be digital therapists for the dreamers, <laughs> I know. Tell, tell, okay, so doctor, tell me what it. <laughs> tell me so, what it did. We had um, we had Dr. Keith Witt on an episode, and he's a clinical psychologist and deals with CEOs. So yes, uh, he's not a digital therapist. W- what does a digital therapist do? You know, everyone everyone comes in with a nightmare story about their hosting provider or their how do I get on Instagram or what do I do with this Facebook thing or. Mm. Mm. I've got 16 accounts and I can't get into my email or, I mm. mean, there's always, you know, a can of worms to, to unravel somewhere in there. But beyond that, um, it goes much deeper to uh, more of a strategic conversation. That's right. where we like to start. Right. Um, but oftentimes it can get kind of tactical and we can get into the weeds with DNS and, you know, all that fun stuff. You've got people for all that. Yeah. We, yeah, we do. 
you're a, a brand strategist as well and a creative mm-hmm. guy. And we we talk we have a lot of those kinds of conversations here. It seems to be pretty not it's very important and I like looking at that from a lot of different lenses. How do you think you look at brand strategy different? That's a great question. Um, with our brands, uh, we used to start with some of the more what's a logo look like, what's your slogan, you know, what is what does your brand mean? Um, but we took a step back and actually a book that you gave us. Mm some value-based sales books. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Um, we've kind of added a few extra up variables up front, um, starting with objectives right, and moving on from objectives to value. Yep. And then from there, we can use key performance indicators or some way of measuring right. how we are successful at achieving those objectives. So what I'm, what I'm loving here is um, we affectionately call it OMV, which is what what the, what is the outcome you're looking for? How would you how will you measure it? What, exactly. You, what, will you know it when you see it? And what's the value? And what's to the value? You? Yeah. And it has gotten so woven into my DNA. It is pretty much the basis, the foundational part of every conversation I have. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the outcome? Oh, I'm I would love to eat. What's yeah. the value of that? I will not be hungry. Mm-hmm. How will we measure that? Uh, I'll feel full. Right. Exactly. It, right. It's it's that uh, systemic or foundational to what we do. Absolutely. Now that you're an OMV guy. Yep. Do you find that that's a novel conversation to have with people and they're not they're just like, oh, huh. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah. It's it frames things up really quickly. You can see right away what what end of the spectrum of dreamer they are, how they respond to that. Oh, so there's a spectrum of dreamers? Oh, yeah. Well, tell the, me about that. That sounds the, interesting. Uh, <laughs> the, on the one end of the spectrum, there's the, you know, I'm a dreamer, and um, here's here's my idea. Do a bunch of work for me, and then I'll go out and find investment. So that's that's one end of the spectrum, which okay. is fun. Okay, okay. Um, we get a lot of that. So you work with startups? Sometimes startups or individuals or solopreneurs who come in and, okay. you know, maybe have a, a vision for something and need a little more than marketing. Um, the other end of the spectrum mm. can be, you know, someone with a full team, someone with, um, you know, actual budget, actual timeline, and they'll come in um, more with, hey, how do we problem solve together? And that is where we like to be as a, as a value add partner, not as just a marketing vendor. Why do you think that a company puts so much stock in the external advice? They may have a really smart internal person who gets no cred internally and they bring you in from the outside mm-hmm. and they listen to everything you say. Yeah. Why, that's, why, that's, that's a weird phenomenon. It is. Um, it could be the associations that we have with past projects or clients um, and the experience they, like you said, they may have that already internally, but sometimes it takes that different perspective or framing it in a different way or, Oh, we're now excited to roll out the red, red carpet for our staff to interact with this outside agency and, you know, let's get a whiteboard out in, in a room and, and make it a special meeting instead of mm. a normal mm. staff meeting kind of mm. thing. Mm. So I think it depends on how that's framed from, from the other side. Do you think it's also uh, people pay attention when they pay? Absolutely. Absolutely. And moving from the vendor to the partner, it's much more difficult to have your marketing budgets slashed. Mm. Um, when you become this partner, value add partner, and, and you become more embedded into their culture, mm. you're able to speak their language, 
and it becomes more of a, a normal conversation or a regular conversation, I should say, as opposed to the maybe one-off interactions. So t- I want to learn a little bit more about you and, and how you got into this, because you're a young guy, but you've been doing this 15 years. Where, where did you start? Where did you get the, the itch to do this kind of work? Sure. Well, we didn't know what a marketing agency was when we started, to okay. be fair. Okay. So Sean, um, my co-founding partner, and I grew up together down in Carlsbad. I'll go way back to mm. second grade. Mm. I'll go back to elementary school. Really? <clears throat> yeah. So we, we always knew we wanted to do something, start a company. We talked about it throughout the years. And I uh, had an opportunity when we were in school. I was up here at UC Santa Barbara. Sean was at UCLA. Um, that, that was an interesting, where do we land the company? And luckily, right. we both right. decided Santa Barbara trumped LA. So, yay. Yo, go Gauchos. Go Gauchos. Sorry, Bruins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sean's the, the brain. He's the electrical engineer, computer science, double major in five years kind of guy. Right learned the internet from the inventors of the internet nice. at UCLA. Nice. So we were building websites, doing e-commerce, you know, working back in the day. Back in the day. I mean, there was no such thing as social media. There was no tablets. Wi-Fi was kind of almost coming out. What was 802.11's first protocol? Is it G or I don't even remember. A. A, B. I don't yes. Know. It was maybe almost A time. Wow. Back then, we had like Ethernet cables running across the apartment. It was awesome. Big brick laptops. So then, no cell phones. <laughs> tell me how you got your first customer. What was that like? So I was doing film studies at UC Santa Barbara. Okay. So I'm I'm on the on the liberal arts guy, and um, we met some dreamers. We met some film mm. some film makers, and you know people with scripts right. wanted to have their dreams right. fulfilled, and we started there. We started by making pretty multimedia rich sites um, for the film and then quickly music mm. uh, industries in 2001, 2002. Um, our first music client happened to be a little artist, small artist known as Jack Johnson. Yep. And we've been with him ever since. So he's definitely opened um, a lot of doors to us um, in the music industry and we were able to spiral from him to other artists to eventually Universal Music Group and from there on on out. Um, all from here in Santa Barbara. All from here in Santa Barbara. That's right. So was Jack your first? So that these film guys were your first clients. Yeah, and they were. Were they paying you? Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Um, and Jack was actually a filmmaker prior to being a musician. Was he? He was. He was making surf films. Okay. He kind of accidentally got into music because okay. his um, Emmett Maloya's partners, uh, filmmaking partners, said we need music, but we can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I have some songs. Let's try those out. Wow. And they put them in the movies. And before you know it, remember those things called CDs? We've heard of them. <clears throat> they kept getting burned and passed around the surf community. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's mm-hmm. like, you got to put an album out. What is this? This is amazing. Wow. And so, were you, so did you help him through that, doing his first website and his first, all of that? It was actually inherited. We, were, we did the second website. The first mm. website was uh, All Flash. Uh-huh. Remember Macromedia? Sure. Absolutely. Pre-Adobe days? Very oh, yeah. much so. Oh, yeah. So we were we were inheriting Flash and building upon that Flash and right. adding some things like e-commerce. Right. So it was pretty clunky stuff back then. Web browsers weren't what they are today. But it was fun. 
things we we talk about internet years there's dog years and then there's internet years things happen so quickly yeah and you know we're on the iphone 6 but it's you know how many generations it's ios 9 we think how quickly things are going how different is it now when someone comes in and wants to have a digital presence what are kind of the top three things you want to pay attention to for them that's a great question. Um, so this answer, I've, I've been asked this question probably over the last decade, and it, it keeps changing in right, terms that's of platforms, right. yeah, cause it's obviously. 20, you know, we're going into 2016. Yeah, three years ago or two and a half years ago, it was like, oh, Vine is the, the latest platform. Six-second videos, you got to get your artists on there. you got to get your brands on there, that sort of thing. And Vine's pretty awesome still, but it's definitely less buzzy than it was. So, I mean, there are things like MySpace that come and go, and... Remember Friendster? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I still say email's number one. Um, when you're building a community really? and a fan base. I, I absolutely agree have, with you. And, and, yeah. and people are kind of going, oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. Why, why? Well, I hate to say it, but everyone on the planet has an email account who yeah. has access to the Internet. Um, and as much as we all hate email, we still use it daily. It's an addictive drug, that email. Um, and it hasn't been fully replaced with a better system, for better or for worse. And um, it's right there, it's somewhat personalized in your pocket or on your on your desktop. You can get right to the person with a message. And oftentimes, if you craft your email properly, you'll get a click-through, and you can convert some of those folks. I took a class um, on email subject lines. I mean, that, that talk about niche education. Do oh, yeah. you do you focus on those? Oh yeah, email subject lines. Right. Um, the latest last few years has been making your emails responsive so that they can nicely format down to a phone without doing the whole pinch and zoom trick. What? Um, so is make, there some trick there that we could give our listener? Well, um, I'm sure a lot of folks out there use Mailchimp or similar systems, yes. maybe Constant Contact, and yep. there's some great templates in there that you can use that are responsive. Maybe on a desktop. And by responsive, there. you mean? So responsive means that as the browser window shrinks or grows, yes. the content responds accordingly. So you can go from a small phone screen to a mid-sized tablet to a large iMac, and your content isn't going to be, um, it will travel properly across those dimensions, right? So a lot of these MailChimp templates will go from maybe a two or three column wide right. on a desktop down to a single column on a phone. I've and noticed that. This makes it easier. So let's stay on email for a second because that was not what I thought you were going to say, and which is awesome. <laughs> um, so great subject line because there's 90 th emails that I could answer. Am mm -hmm. I going to answer that or even take a look at it? So that's number one. Long email or short email? Man, we're in the ADD society. I mean, unless you're really doing this, you know, nonprofit newsletter once a quarter kind of a thing with and what? trust me we have lots of those clients that's I know, why I bring I know, that up I know I know um I tend to stay on the punchier shorter side although there's a formula it depends on how many per month you're sending right if you're sending one a month maybe it's more appropriate to be a, a, a in between the two maybe mid-sized if you're sending one a week then it's got to be pretty short you so know, what's sing, pretty short sing, single one paragraph? We, we love, yeah, an intro paragraph and a large clickable image. The, the biggest cardinal sin, hmm. not linking out from images. Hmm. Make sure all your images are clickable. Okay. You heard it here, everybody. 
people will tap away on those images even if it doesn't have a call to action on it. I've tried, um, I've been doing a lot of experimenting with the 805 Connect newsletter, and I've done some that were all just pictures, no text at all, and just playing with that. Um, to what see. were your results? Really good. Good click-through rates? Right, really good click-through yeah, rates. Yeah, right. See? So lots of pictures, and so I'm, I'm all about that. Um, uh, these aren't a sponsor, but I love deposit photos. You heard of these yeah, guys? I have actually. How'd you, how'd you photos, stumble on that? Uh, we're AppSumo people. Got it. Uh, we love AppSumo. Yeah, um, they're fan. We just love their their brand tone of voice is yep. hilarious, and we like it just for that. Yeah, they don't take themselves too seriously, but they offer promotions all the time. And one of them was to buy like unlimited stock photography for I don't know fifty bucks. Awesome. And so we'll never use all the images that we got. <laughs> so, you know, they're basically free. It's kind of like someone said, um, uh, color is free, use yeah. a lot of it, right? <laughs> right? Especially when you're getting into inboxes. Exactly, so, so short, not long, yet the reason I asked that question yeah. is, uh, I follow a lot of content marketing guys and internet marketing guys and, and how do you do business on the web and just so I can stay current. Those guys, that the, that type of person who's running that, telling you how to use videos to make your business, right. how to do this, how to drive traffic, those emails can easily be 10 pages long. And what they'll tell you is people will really read it. And if it's your customer, your customer, your ideal customer will read that whole thing. Your ideal customer will absolutely read that whole thing. And long-form content has its place. I personally might truncate it and then link out to the site, get the person on my site to have them continue, mm. um, hook them in the email, get them mm. far enough along, and then maybe get them over to the site from there. And I, I agree with that because, I mean, I just know my own behavior. I don't yeah. – I, I put it in the read it later pile, which exactly. might as well be the read it never pile. Exactly. Right? You're Wish just list, not going to yeah. do it. You know, it's just – uh, again, back to that ADD, mm -hmm. and I, I uh, 140 like, characters, right? Well, I talk in tweets, <laughs> haikus, haiku yeah. tweets, right? How do how do you turn that? Because uh, you've probably got 45 seconds, the meantime between interruption with someone, where you're not captivating, you're not fascinating, so they just instantly shoot. I'm looking at you, but I am so not here. I've I've checked out. Yep. Right. You and I today though have 45 minutes. See, we've captivated. That's time. what I'm saying. That's pretty good. Now, if someone's still listening, there's still a lot more to come, right? Um, <laughs> Did I, I just want... give it away? Oh, gosh, see how you are. Um, there's th th you do so many interesting things. Tell me, um, you do these great parties, these great parties that are open to the community. Thank you. And uh, they're over in an area of Santa Barbara that's really being invigorated. It's a former industrial area. It's a, a kind of an. It's not the funk zone. We're branding it. You want to know the brand? What did I tell it? you the brand? I think you did. I, I'm I'm teasing you okay. into it. All right, fine. We're gonna announce it here officially. We did announce it at the party. Yeah. It's the Lagoon District. The Lagoon District. That's right. So you're gonna do fancy um, light posts and things like that? Get the city. I don't know to about do... the light posts, but we're de we're definitely <laughs> starting with window decals. There'll be nice oh, window decals. Are. Yeah, we're gonna get those on everyone's uh, windows in the area who wants to participate in and, uh, being known as a part of the Lagoon District. And do you think that that's important because of the sense of community that that Absolutely. involves? Absolutely. We want to bring 
um, commerce and energy to that part of town. And we do absolutely want to differentiate ourselves from the funk zone. A lot of times people think it's always oh, lower funk zone or something. And we're not necessarily as happy with the direction that some of the things in the funk zone have gone. So we can own this Lagoon District area collectively. And we've been working with uh, the likes of Playback uh, Recording Studios, um, Pure Order uh, Brewing, and uh, Muddy Waters. I'm sorry that they're closed now, but um, Bill. There's a lot of interesting businesses. And, and the thing that's been that I love about 805 Connect is it's not just in Santa Barbara. It's all over. There's 21 cities, and there's interesting little places and little pockets of stuff that are yeah. happening all over. And I love that. And I love that you've taken a leadership in that and inviting people. So if someone wanted to get invited or know about these parties, how would they do that? So they're called Solutions for Dreamers, our slogan, Fridays. So Solutions for Dreamers, Fridays. So we actually shortened the URL to make it easier. We just sfdfridays.com. Okay, sfdfridays.com. And can they uh, subscribe to that? Subscribe there. And they'll get in. They'll, email. they'll get an email yep. with a clickable image and okay. a fun subject line. I love that. Telling them about the next one. We've done two this year. We did one in February. We did one in September. Um, not sure if we're going to do a third in 2015 or if it's going to wait, if it'll spill it over get, into 2016. It gets hard to get critical mass at this yeah. time of year. I don't want to make any promises, so we'll leave but, it at But go and TBD. subscribe, and then, and then they'll know. Yeah. So, so let's go back to... Um, couple of things that have interested me about um, you and your business. So there's this concept of digital native and digital immigrant. You're a digital native. Okay, you're of an age where this you don't even think about technology. I think something else comes along with that that I see in you and the conversations I see you having, which is a sense of social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think as an, uh, I'm a baby boomer, and when I think of that age, that younger age, we were very rebellious, and social responsibility was like, you know, rage against the machine, man. You yeah. Know, it was like, you know, don't trust anybody over Where 30. Where did that go, by the way? What the hell, man? Uh, We've got a bunch of lazy people on their phones, I tell you. No, we're watching Netflix. We're, oh, we're binge watching Game off. of Thrones. Come um, on, people, wake up. Why do you think social responsibility is so important to digital natives and why is that and and why do you specifically are so aligned with that that those are amazing questions um personally it comes inherently for there to be a component some sort of charitable component to any of the campaigns or initiatives that we run okay um it was so easy for us to align with say jack johnson and his camp um, and having the environmental initiatives that they run and, and using a lot of that as a model to show other people how to do it. But beyond just working in the nonprofit sector or with conscious artists that way, brands are absolutely um, doing this as well. A lot of them maybe you know, trying to add some brand equity and um, you know, outreach, some maybe free PR, but there are honest, um, holistic, authentic, messaging that occurs or calls to action that occurs in a lot of these campaigns that we run and i we tend to be more engaged uh with these campaigns than than ones that don't have that component um, most of the team that i built around me i'd say probably all of them are quite active um, they donate their time they they're out in the community we do a lot of outreach whether is that something you do uh, as a company we had absolutely uh, 
Mission Wealth Management, Seth Streeter in here, yeah. and a, a big one of the things they do as a company is they you know they show up in the community. Do you do that as a Neurocom? We do. Um, in fact, we just uh, sat around a roundtable, the Business Giving Roundtable. Are you familiar with yes, that? Yes, I am. I just learned about it, so it's new to me. But what I loved about it was hearing all these large, you know, 805 companies in there from Deckers to Citrix to whomever having these programs set up and really having, a, um, you know, their HR departments and other departments really engaged and sign on to these things and, and doing meaningful work. We don't have necessarily that formal program because we're lean and scrappy. Sure. You know, 20, 25 people. But we do it inherently in, what, in just our day-to-day um, oftentimes it comes into the work we do. Um, oftentimes it goes to the extracurricular time outside of work. So it's woven into the fabric of who, it is. Of who you are. It's part of our culture, absolutely. So you alluded in your answer a couple of minutes ago that people will do that socially responsible thing because they feel like they have to or they want to get free PR. Yeah. So that speaks to authenticity. Yep. And so when you're marketing to millennials, which I'm inferring is part of your question here. We're um, we're calling them digital natives. Digital natives. Because the millennial, for some reason, millennials hate being called millennials. Sure. And, uh, and one of my, I was another, born in 80, so am I like, I have a foot in and a foot out. I'm kind of straddling the analog. And the, so I mean, we'll had, get our crack research staff on I, that. I played Atari growing up. I, I get it. There you go. <laughs> but I think. Authenticity. Yeah, I think the millennials can smell BS from a mile away. Yeah. And if you're not authentic in your messaging and your marketing, you, have, you don't stand a chance. Digital natives, sorry. Not millenn- millennials out there. I'm not calling you millennials. Am, am I a millennial? I don't know. You're something. Yeah. I'm in between. I'm a tweener. A tweener? Yeah. Okay. I love that. <laughs> so, so when you're helping them craft their message, w- what makes it authentic? Because we... we uh, we think about authenticity and vulnerability a lot. We do a lot of public mm-hmm. speaking, and the more vulnerable you are, the more you'll connect to your audience. How do you advise a brand on vulnerability and authenticity? It's really come, comes down to um, their voice and how they show up in the world, but what is their core values and allowing everything to stem from that. Um, oftentimes it could be you know, on the Donald Trump end of the spectrum where it's all about money. And that's fine if that's really truly what your uh, motivating um, intrinsic or extrinsic motivating factors are. It's great. Then be authentic in that way. And I think people love, say, Donald Trump for that fact because he owns it. Um, You can be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum like our good friend Jack Johnson, who's donated 100% of his proceeds of touring and merchandising since 2008 on to foundations and, and, and supporting nonprofits around the planet. So... And that's authentic to him. That's part of his DNA and part of his culture. So it's really doing and saying what is natural and inherent to the person or the brand. Do you believe that that authenticity actually is is a huge attractor in that when you're talking to an older audience and you're advising maybe an older, and I don't even know if you have the older clients, that they don't kind of get that, but your younger clients absolutely get that. They're, yes, I, I, I do find that, although they maybe get it without saying it or calling it or labeling it authentic. Right, it's right. more just, you know, well, you are, who, yeah, it's, yeah, it's who I am or who you are. And 
I think as we age, we sort of let go of the high school click stuff anyways. And it just, you put yourself out there more in the day to day. So it becomes less of a even conversation point. It's more just, well, here I'm showing up this way. So take it or leave it. How do you get that? There's a generational shift here. So how do you get that older? So I'm thinking of the person who's listening right now. How do you get them to trust that that really is the way to be that authentic, pure voice? I mean, we can show you some numbers and back that really? up with our metrics. Um, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely, I mean, you can Google for, for these sorts of marketing surveys or studies where they show um, engagement rates that are absolutely higher with, you know, non-forced or authentic messaging um, versus off-brand or off, you know, non-authentic, I guess you could call it, inauthentic uh, messaging. Yeah, very interesting because I'm, I'm thinking of, of when you are crafting your message, you're trying to think about what, you know, like what's the right thing to say. And you're trying, and it's not in your words, it's in the words you think they want to hear. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're talking to someone and you're guiding them through that content, is there any kind of coaching you've got for them on how to think, just, Hey, say what you really mean and it'll be okay. We usually start with conversations. Like oh. we'll get tone oh. and different words or different phrases from someone. We've worked with some hip hop artists where it's, you know, we'll just be talking conversation. They'll say things maybe in rhyme or, um, you know, just in, using, just when they're using their to flair. You? And we go, well, that's awesome. Let's make sure we get that in the next post about whatever. Um, I think that the, when you're more relaxed and natural in person and able to engage a client sure. and just hear them tell their story and hear how they talk and their tone, that should be translated over to the marketing. There's no reason that you should pivot or do anything differently than what you would just do in a day-to-day conversation. That. Absolutely. Would you, and I'm going to go back to, as you said, your, uh, you said start with conversation and you're listening. Yes, do you think that since um, you read that book about really listening to what that person's outcomes are? Do we have are, to drop his name? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, okay, no. good. But I'm going to, uh, I'll put it in the show note. Because it was, it's a fun, I mean, I recommend that book. Great book. All the time. And that listening piece is so critical. Do you think you're a better listener now than you were a year ago? I strive to be a better listener all the time. You can ask my wife. Um, and I say that <laughs> oh, no, partially, I mean. ju- you know, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, communication is key to any relationship and, and marketing is all about storytelling and you can't tell a story unless you hear the story and listen. So we have to start by listening always. I mean, we're only listening um, for the first engagement, the discovery period or the onboarding period of our engagements with clients. And it's really just ask a few questions and be quiet and let them talk. Um, Are we better because directly because of the book of listening? I'm not sure, but definitely on crafting how we're interpreting that into those objectives Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how we can Mm -hmm. measure that Mm -hmm. and really define the value. That was probably a better answer. Yeah, it definitely helps with that 100%. Someone, uh, the person who gave me that book introduced me to a word called active listening. Like I'm really, I'm listening as he, he calls it listening loudly and really. And I think my, I've been doing improv for the last year and really, yeah. And specifically as a way to sharpen my sword, 
right? How do I be a better, and I want to be a better communicator. I want to be a gifted communicator. Mm-hmm. And it means that I'm a, I really listen loudly. When I'm on the stage, and we do this on Wednesday nights, um, so just two nights ago, if I'm not listening and 1,000% focused, yeah, I, I miss a beat, I miss a give, I miss something to react to because it's all about reacting, emphasizing, heightening, all of that. And the audience heard it and they saw I missed it because I was thinking about what I wanted to say next and I wasn't reacting. Specifically, I use that skill here in the podcast and I use I like it that. all the time with my clients. And it's it's staggering how much it has helped. Is that the yes and technique too? You got the yes and in there? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's accepting what you just said as the reality. Yep. Adding to that reality either just by acknowledging that it yes, that exists. And what I, I always thought it was you actually say yes and, but you don't ever say yes and. You it's a it's a, a mind of accepting yeah. it and then adding something to it and then you're building which in my world leads to co-creation. And when someone has uh, co-created, helped create something with you, there's an ownership with that. To your point, when I'm on the team, when I'm a partner, it's less uh, likely for you to get fired or your budget to get cut because we create this together. 100%. We'll, we'll take someone, instead of being across the table, you know, being on two sides of a table, it's like, Let's get on the same Always side of the get table on the side type. Yeah. and let's put our arms around each other and point out to the horizon and say, that's where we're going. Exactly. I mean, that's that's really the, the dance um, from that vendor to partner shift. Thank you for that book. You're <laughs> I, I was talking to a, a prospect yesterday and he told me about their preferred vendor program. And I said, gosh, I'd, you know, I'd, I don't want to tell you to run your business, but I'd really like that to be your preferred partner program. And if we thought of them as partners, then here's all the things I do with partners. With vendors, it's transactional. With partners, it's relational. Yeah, that's a really great definition. I like that. I'm going to poach it. It's it's yours. Thank you. It's yours. Got another another nugget of wisdom from Mr. Sylvester. I like it. It's um, keep them coming. Yeah. Thank you. I I want to. So at your last party, you had a big thing with tigers. Oh, cool. We get to talk about this. Uh, tell me about that. Great. So Tiger Heroes is a... Tiger Heroes. Tigerheroes.com if anyone wants to check it out. Okay. I highly recommend it. Tiger Heroes is an initiative that combines fine art and philanthropy because we always got to have that charitable component. Yep. And we partnered up with two, partnered with two amazing um, big cat foundations, the uh, hmm. Panthera. Ooh. And the World Wildlife Foundation right. Save Tigers Now. Okay. WWF, the real WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they won that name. They deserve it. Um, so essentially, there's an amazing local artist in Santa Barbara, Matthew McAveen, who should probably be on one of these shows in the we'll future. We'll get him on Towned, which is a, a sister show to us Perfect. in the Pullstring Network. Yeah, let's get him on. Um, he's been around since the early 2000s doing giant art, doing crazy puppets sculptures you've seen stuff around town i'm sure if you saw of solstice course. uh this summer you saw giant planets fl- floating down state those are his work that was his work um so he's made this incredible seven foot by seven foot uh by four foot uh tiger sculpture 
and it's a, it's the head of a tiger. It's incredible. You can put your head inside of its mouth. It's it's massive, mm. and as part of the initiative, where he's building ten of these customized mm. look, um, and they're starting at a hundred thousand dollars, and they're ending at a million dollars. So they go up in wow. value each one that's sold. And uh, have you sold one yet? We're we're close to number one. We, Great, we just Good finished. Luck. We just finished the build, so now we can actually be on shows like this and tell people. Right. Go to tigerhairs.com. Right. And we're looking for uh, people who want a big, crazy piece of fine art in their man cave or whatever space, corporate office, and that want to get a tax write-off and and donate money to the great charities. So you get great art and you get a good feeling for having done that. That's right. How much of your business is that kind of, or is it an 80-20 rule where 20% of it's that? Or is it more 80% of it's that? I would say 80% of the projects we have have a charitable component. Maybe 20% of them are charitable first, if that makes Uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, sure it does. Um, This actually happens to be something a little bit outside of Oniracom. I'm doing this Thursday nights with a group of guys, including Matthew and about uh, five or six other people that are just all incredibly talented. So we meet Thursdays at Oniracom and... hatch plans and make crazy initiatives like this we dream we are eat our own dog food i, lo- I so, love that um, yeah and I'm, i, I have to tell you about guy. i i i am a cat guy too i'm a cat and a and a dog but i'm i started as a cat so i've always had this fantasy of i don't know being around or maybe hmm. not owning because that's weird but being around big cats i'll say with the last name like sylvester you can only yeah. imagine right when uh that he became the spokesman for uh cat food Back in the day, uh, my grandfather collected everything that had a Sylvester on it. And there was a lot of brand uh, swag uh, with Sylvester's on it. So that that was a lot of fun. I want to finish with a conversation around um, the channels of communication that we have to have these conversations with our audiences as a brand. And there's email. We talked about that. There's newsletters, which is part of email. There's blogs, which is writing. There's uh, videos. There's... There's all these ways. There's print ads. There's everything. Podcasts. Well, that's where I want to go. And uh, we found that this show has been very, very successful in being a catalyst for conversation. And in conversations I'm having with, with other brands who are my clients, podcasting is coming up more and more. Why do you think podcasting has become such a rich efficient targeted way to reach an audience let's connect the thread back to the authentic authenticity conversation um we're able to have you know i just botched that word for example and that moment's recorded here on this podcast you know we will not edit it. you're not going to edit it it's not polished so we're able to have these more you know long form uh communication conversations and it feels more like we're sitting around a campfire sitting in a living room with someone and really um, diving into um, the meat of the conversation. It's not just this three-minute um, forced you know, commercial interview um, that you're going to hear in, in most other formats. So I think it gives the listener, the audience, a chance to really dive into a topic, you know, get deeper into a topic, but also hear the people talk about it in an authentic mm-hmm. way and in a real natural way. And um, I love them. I mean, I think it's... You know, whether it's on the business end or the comedy end or, or somewhere in between the storytelling end, there's so much amazing content out there you can't keep up. 
we do business with our friends if we can. And so I think about how do I go from zero to friend in the shortest period of time. And I found that when I'm listening to someone on a regular basis, it's I listen to a show every week, uh, some are every day, that's crazy, but let's say they're every week, you feel like you know them. You know their voice. Yeah. You have this personal relationship with them. Do you, um, and I've been looking, at, I'm, I'm very interested in this because I think this is the, the future of, of a, a very potential uh, great thing for us to offer to brands. Do you think that there's a, um, a specific strategy that includes podcasting for brands and what that might look like? Yes. Uh, it comes back to thought leadership. So oh, okay. if we're working with a brand, um, say an IT company, an IT brand, um, that is all about one thing and one thing only when it comes to getting customers, and that's building trust. Mm. Um, what mm. better way to build trust with that customer to be their IT go-to than to know that they're thought leaders in the space and that they can speak intelligently mm. about topics and they understand and they're on the pulse. And one of the greatest ways to do that is through this sort of content. I'm sure you can write long form blog posts, but that can be repurposed and cut and pasted. And but people don't. The thing people is, don't read they don't read. People don't read as much, especially the well, not millennials. Digital natives. Digital natives. Right, they, they're not reading. And I'm stereotyping and, now, but well, we've got because you know, for me, it's cooking. Uh, people who listen to the show know I lo- I'm a chef and I love to cook, and so I've got long. I've got you know two hour periods where I can multitask. I can be cooking and meditating in that sense, but yep. I'm listening. Uh, it could be working out. They're on the treadmill. They're walking the dog. They're doing whatever they're doing, and the the rise of podcasting, the rise of consuming and learning. Because the other thing that's interesting about the digital native. It, not only are they socially responsible, they believe in continuous and never-ending improvement. That's right. Iterating. Right. Learning. How can I be 1% better than I was yesterday? I love that concept. Speaking of 1%. Always a work in progress. Well, if we're not growing, we're dying. <laughs> um, 1%. So uh, I, I don't like to do time-based things on the cast because people will listen to it later. But the 1% for the Planet program, can you give a quick plug out for what that's all about? 1% for the Planet, um, I forget the year it was founded, so I'm not going to make that up. You can probably go to their website. Sure. It's been around a while, and I know it well because Jack Johnson was the first musician what? to come on as a 1% for the Planet supporter. Um, you know, I know Patagonia and other companies sure. that yes. he was affiliated with at that time did it too. Um, and it was a big deal because it opened the floodgates for other labels and artists to put the 1% for the planet on their albums and donate a percent of their proceeds. Um, but essentially, they um, collect these funds. You can either tell them where you'd like the funds to go um, to, to support um, ecological, environmental initiatives and charities around the, around the planet. Or if you don't uh, tell them where you'd like your funds to go, then it'll get divvied up. So for the listener who is also a member of 805 Connect, in our newsletter, we're promoting this 1% uh, all month long. Great. Uh, we're doing it with David Fortson and, yeah. and Loa Tree. Love those guys. And, uh, lo- yeah, Dave and Eric are great. They're fantastic. And they brought it to my attention and said, could you help us get the word out? Because there's only 40 companies uh, in the Santa Barbara area, and I'd love to find out how many are in the region who have taken this as a part of their 
corporate social responsibility and say, let's take 1% and, and put it back. Highly recommend every company in the Santa Barbara County meet Dave and Eric and talk to them about the program. Um, learn the benefits and sign on. It's I amazing. think it's, it's a, you're part of something bigger than yourself, which is something right. we all like to, to be and aspire to. Achievable, yeah. That's an achievable aspiration. That is. Right? Very achievable. I love, Jacob, we could talk for hours, but we have run out of time. And one of the things I want to make sure is how can people get a hold of you? How do they find you sure. guys on the inter- interwebs? Well, oniracom.com. I know it's somewhat of a mouthful. you spell it? It's O-N-I-R-A-C-O-M.com. Um, but also, I'm, I'm fairly active on social media. And most of my handles are just at Jacob Tell. You can find me personally there, be it Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Um, and yeah, we've got some fun content on the Anericom YouTube and Instagram. And I have, we have a great Pinterest page and some other fun stuff. So check it all out. I love that. One of the uh, things we do in this show is we understand the power of the title. The title of the show, when someone's looking at a list of you know 30 plus episodes and they're a new time, first time listener, they are, you know, what... what is the topic, what's the subject, and we're really diverse, the kinds of things we talk about. So what we do is we have a little uh, naming session right now. Ooh. So um, we're going to brand our show right we are now. Gonna, we're going to do it right now, and we've talked about a lot of different things. What do you think is the compelling title in seven words or less? Man, I don't know about the title, but I'll throw some words out, and we can do a little Mad Libs. Okay. I mean, we got to have authenticity in there, right? Okay, I like that. Um, we got to probably... Do our our digital uh, digital natives natives? Yep, you know. And um, so this is like the subject line in the email. Yeah, right? we talked about that, right? What's the subject it. line for this? And what do they? What we, would they we learn? We did some branding, didn't we? Yeah, we did a little bit of branding. A little bit, little bit of branding. Um, and then in partners, not vendors, you know. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is think about that, and then email me back. back All right. To email or or tweet me. And then we'll put that up. The show will be up in a couple of days, and we'd love your help in uh, getting it out to your network. I oh, think this, I'll share it. The, what I love about this is it's, it's a conversation with you. They get to know you better, your tone of voice, and what's important to you. And maybe they'd love to come work with you. And part of what we're doing at 805 Connect is through those conversations, um, helping other people know about great resources, great people to do business with. So we'd, we'd love our listener if they're looking for a brand strategist that are looking for a digital marketing agency to give you guys a buzz. Thanks. And vice versa, I appreciate, Mark, everything you're doing in the community, not just for us, but for the 805. And well, thank I, you. I highly recommend anyone who doesn't know about 805 Connect to go sign up. Well, thank you very much. It's a, it's a labor of love. I agree. So uh, thank you very much, and I want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for this. God, I love working in this studio. And Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect Project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We thank them as well. You can find more information at 805connect.com. Look at our partners page. Um, and you'll find uh, the alliances that we've built with some amazing people. 
Now, specifically on this podcast, we could really use your support. So if you would go into iTunes and give us a review, that makes a huge difference uh, in them pushing the show out as a recommended recommended show, uh, which is how we grow the show. And then if you leave a comment, we actually listen to all of those, and it's helping us make the show better. And I would love to hear from you personally. So you can send yourself, send me an email, mark, M-A-R-K, at 805connect.com, and let me know what you liked about this show. And if you've got ideas for guests or you know someone you think should be on the show or you should be on the show, let me know. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Conversations.